0: their wisdom and the things they've learned along the way. Dan Stein and his business are very much an enigma. Not many businesses can say they boast the success they have why no advertising and simply word of mouth. His webpage is a simple one-page statement and it leaves me wanting to know more. Dan's business is an exclusive home search agency where privacy is priority. The reason for that, he's responsible for finding homes for the rich and famous clients that are public figures, instantly recognisable, but who are thinking of finding a home that is far from recognisable as theirs. Dan's here to tell me more about how he has made his business hype so successful without all the hype. That's good. I like that strap. Mine. uh i've met this chap i've gotten to know him quite yeah. well uh not long ago but we hit it off i think very it would be recent, fair to say yeah. so it is a delight to have you in the podcast studio and you've made an effort as not many people do by coming all this way so thank you very much it's a pleasure to have you dan stein on uh, on the sandra 40 podcast thank you and the way these work very well is let's just imagine we're sitting down the pub together so as we did at the ivy club did not enjoy. long ago so um Tell me about your background there. Let's just start with the basics, you know, where you come from, family, how it all started, and then we'll talk about the world of property.
1: I'm born and bred in London, family have always been in London, and my parents actually started themselves in property years and years ago, so I've always had a fascination with watching our family homes being renovated and the whole process that goes through that. It, obviously, it's not as easy as it seems mm. and the stresses, and from that, I've then spent the last 20 years working in property myself. I've worked in residential property, commercial property, and there isn't much I haven't seen now which some of that can be good and some of that can be bad as well. And you've
0: got some, I have to say, you've got some amazing stories. So what, what gave you the idea to create this, this bespoke, if you don't mind me saying so, you know, bespoke yeah. agency that is so different to the norm, you know, the home property search, estate agency, and all the
1: stereotypes that go with that? What, what prompted you to do something different? This actually started by a complete accident when I had a phone call from an accountant who said to me, I've got a client looking for a flat, can you help me? To the answer is always yes, and it just so happened that person was basically Hollywood royalty. But finding them a home wasn't any different to finding anybody else a home, except you can't say who it is. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I'd never heard of a non disclosure agreement, and I didn't know about personalized terms with private banks and mortgages and all these different things that go into that. And a while after all of this, I just stepped back and thought. There must be a little market here. There's a niche that you can't just be famous and phone up Foxton's and, or Knight Frank or whoever that is and whoever answers the phone and say, hi, I'm blah, 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 what houses have you got? Because obviously that information will be in the public domain very quickly. Mm. So that is basically how it was born. I love the fact
0: that you kind of started out without really knowing anything about anything other than your love of property and, and yeah. um, the, the skill set that you clearly have got with that. But almost finding your way with everything else, the NDAs and, the, you know, how everything works, almost learning on the job.
1: There's been some trial and error. Yeah. And obviously you have to make sure that you have the right supply line and the people that you recommend, and that took a long time to get in place. So rather than just running off and saying, right, this is what I'm going to do, it was making sure, right, do I have the right lawyers? Do I have the right surveyors? Because obviously a 500 pound conveyancer is not the right kind of person that your client is looking for. Mm. So it's making sure you have the right interior designers, etc., and everyone is in place. What challenges do you find with what you do? Everything that what we do is about personalities. It really is because there are a lot of advisors with the people that we deal with, the end client. And you are keeping as many advisors happy as possible as well as the end client and finding them their perfect home. And for me, it's not about finding the first house and trying to get someone to buy that. Because if the process takes another two or three months, I would rather that, but we get the right thing. And then obviously... Making sure that the process is as smooth as possible, and everybody knows somebody who can do something, mm. and it's trying to make sure that that whole supply line works together for a common interest. Forgive me for saying this. Yeah? There'll be a lot of people thinking,
0: "Hang on a minute, that's not the way estate agency and house finding works." This is this sounds like a, a refreshing, you know, step in the right direction, a breath of fresh air. I know from speaking to you, Dan, that um, you are very sincere in your endeavours and everything you say is absolutely true. Do you find that there is a stigma associated with the, with the stereotype, does that work to your
1: advantage? Does it work to your disadvantage? Does it set you apart and Ooh. therefore could be it's seen a as question. a question. Um, I don't see myself as an estate agent or a normal buying agent either. I see that what we offer is so bespoke and actually in a way we almost work alongside reputation managers hmm. that the house finding is almost an add-on. To the privacy angle. Yeah. So it just depends on who the person is and how they value their privacy um, and which order you want to do things in. So if you go and find a home and then try and get somebody to do the privacy work afterwards, mm-hmm. it's a lot harder. So we're kind of, I suppose really that's our niche because we're not a standard home buying agency. And our contacts, if we were just buying anybody a house, would still be the same contacts and they'd be very specialist in what they do, and they may not be right if I was buying a £700,000 flat mm. as opposed to a £8 million house in Surrey. So it's all about, for me, just being in the right place at the right time, talking to the right people, and I don't wear a suit. I don't believe in looking like an estate agent because that's not what I'm doing, and um, I'll be honest. With you, most of the time, I'm comfiest in a hoodie. And if I'm comfy, mm. then I'm relaxed, then I'm better with my clients, and that's just how I chat to people. Yeah. In in the in the modern world
0: of social media, visibility, yeah. everything more fast paced. Everyone wants a result yesterday. I'm interested to know, apart from the obvious point here, Dan, which is the uh, the, the privacy angle and being a bit off the radar. Yep. Yeah. I love the fact that you've built a business on absolutely opposite end of the scale, the the no-hype, yeah. that's H-Y-P-E, um, versus the H-I-P-E, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, it, it's interesting that you've done so well and been so successful with something that isn't visible. But that obviously correlates and links to the most fundamental part of your business, which is discretion.
1: Yeah. It's complete and utter... I wanted to go out there and not just try and create a huge Instagram following, which these days you could buy a thousand likes for £10. And there's loads of different ways of doing things, which I will be honest with you, in a social media age, I'm a complete dinosaur. I know nothing about it. And for me, having been in property, I enjoy meeting people. So that is how I've built the business. And I don't want to have a selfie with somebody. If they want to do a photo shoot in their new home and their agent wants to choreograph it beautifully, mm. that's entirely up to them. But I'm not going to be out there advertising on their coattails effectively.
0: Mm. I'm not going to press you to betray your any of your clients, yep. but you must have some great stories and some good wins. I mean, what, have you, what are you most proud of in terms Ooh. of
1: what you achieved so far? There was a client who was moving from LA to London and she wanted a two-bedroom flat in Marybone or near Hyde Park, those kind of areas. Mm-hmm. After the third viewing she wouldn't get out of the car. It turns out she had a dog, which in London flats aren't the most welcome. And she said, But I want a house, why do I want a flat? Okay, let's go have some lunch, we'll find something for you to see this afternoon. And then the search took us to all four corners of London. So we were looking as far north as Hampstead, as far south as Chelsea, Notting Hill and Wapping and anything in the middle. Now, that is a challenge. However you look at it, Mm. that's a lot of ground to cover. So for me, eventually finding the right house, which I knew she would buy as soon as I saw it, because it was old, it had the character, I knew she could do what she wanted to it. And it was next door to a restaurant, so she didn't have to cook and just get the food delivered round the back. That was as soon as you know that someone's going to take that property that feels like the win even before the deal is done so getting to understand
0: your client yeah probably uh, to, you know going deeper dive understanding them at a greater level than perhaps most would where they just view the property as the you know the transaction yeah you're seeking to understand the client and getting them coming up with a solution Rather than a property, I think is what you were kind of alluding to. If they
1: live locally, then I'll go and see where they live if I can to Mm. understand their style and what they're looking for and what's important to them. Whereas, you know, this client coming in from Los Angeles, obviously you have a lot more space, a lot more land, and then you come to a London townhouse, which is absolutely tiny. So it's about an education as well and meeting people's expectations. Um, So really, it's about understanding the person. So you might, for example, meet a person and you can see their style from what they wear. You can see what kind of home they're going to like. Mm. So it's not necessarily judging a book by its cover, but it's building a profile of someone and what their interests are and how they behave.
0: And you must come across people who you think, I wish I hadn't taken them on. (laughs) How do you you deal with the the problematic ones? Because
1: there must be plenty of those. There are problematic ones, but I think a lot of it comes down to the more time you spend with someone, the better you get to understand each other. And you may end up admitting you're never going to be best friends, but at the same time, you can find a professional working relationship. And I will be honest with you, there are times where if that person doesn't like me or I don't like them, we won't work together because it won't end well. Mm. And for me, it's about making sure everyone's happy. So, it you know, you can't please absolutely everybody on this planet. Mm. We try, and that's what everyone's programmed to try and do and be lovely to everybody, but just sometimes personalities don't gel. But I and think
0: you- commercially, you must be under pressure
1: to make a decision which is
0: right for your business in terms of bottom or top yeah. line. But what you're saying is that the commercial benefits uh, never outweigh the the stress and the hassle and all the stuff that goes with it and also the integrity of your business because your model is very unique and distinct so and if i you suppose do, if you, were to take if you do money. a job
1: that someone's not happy with mm. then there's the opportunity that they could then say something about you which isn't the best and that's not what you want especially when you're not advertising there's no way of countering it yeah so it's very much a case of i'd rather do two less year, deals a year but make sure they're the right deals yeah so
0: typically, uh, take us through the process then, yeah. if you would. So um, how people find you out through word of
1: mouth, yes. approach you, what happens? So the first thing we'll do is find out what what do they want? So what's the perfect home? And then obviously we have to work out a budget, mm. um, areas. And then, for example, there may be 10 things on a list that they really want in their house. But we, I know from experience there are two or three that are the absolute can't negotiate on mm-hmm. and the rest are they would be nice. Yeah. And then it becomes a process of elimination. So it will be, look, if you've got to invest time in this. So if you're gonna give me time, we're gonna go out, we'll look at stuff, we can find the right home. If you're gonna give me an hour every six months, it's gonna be a lot harder and it's gonna be a lot more drawn out process. Mm. I can take videos, we can send you details, but if you're not out in that house getting a feel for it, getting a feel for that area then it's a pointless task. Mm. So really, it's about making sure someone's invested. Um, from there, in the background, we're talking to their advisors, their accountants, their IFAs, making sure the money's in place whether it needs to be sent from another country, making sure the mortgage is being put in place so that once we've got the property, we just tick the boxes and that's straight on. So there's lots of stuff going on in the background because a lot of these people have got complicated structuring. Mm. So we need to make sure we know from the beginning What we're doing. So, for example, if they're based offshore and they're going to buy it in a limited company, then we need to know just for the mortgage purposes, if they're getting one. Um, And then for the money laundering and all the different steps we have to go through. Mm.
0: Uh, And how do you deal with problems when they arise. Uh, you know, there are the head barriers and there are those that <laughs> front it. Um, what What's your style? How do you find that it's been most effective? Because look, if you're in the hands of so many people, there's so many moving parts in terms of what yeah. you do, Dan. How do you deal with problems when they occur, particularly if it's the third party?
1: I do my best to not make a rash decision. And I must admit, I very rarely will I make an instant decision. I will probably walk away, put the phone down, And probably go for a run for half an hour and clear my head and try and sit down and say, right, how are we going to solve this? Because if you just instantly react, and even though I trust my gut instinct, there's always emotion involved. And if you can take that out and say, right, what's the best way of doing something, I think that's much better. So it just depends. Um, I do enjoy a good shout, I'll be honest with you. But then you've got to just calm everything back down and just say, right, is this a deal breaker? What's the actual problem? You know, there's a big difference between, okay, we've been downvalued by 25% or, okay, the the cost of renovations is more than we expected. And it just depends on what the actual problem is, Mm. but you have to solve it. That's what you're being paid to do. You know, part of what I'm being paid to do is to find a home. The other part of it is making that deal happen. Mm. And that's, I almost consider myself a quarterback like NFL, where every email has 30 people on it. And you're making sure everyone's doing their job and in the right place at the right time to make all these things happen. So there's always going to be problems. There'll always be a problem with the illegals. There'll always be a problem with the insurance. And you just have to resolve them.
0: Hmm. I love that analogy. Uh, the property quarterback. I've been called worse. <laughs> As have I. <laughs> there are a lot of people out there listening to this who will say, yeah, what, Dan Stein, property finder. That's what it sounds like to me. Um, I don't see what the relevance is. I've deliberately asked you a couple of questions so far because yep. there were some incredible analogies and links to bi- success in business, success in sport, success in life generally. And already we're starting to hear a lot of the same things that we hear from other people, but just expressed in a different way. And that's why I was particularly interested to have you on the show. Um, do you just work in the UK? Are you working abroad? Um, and, and do the two jurisdictions have their own set of challenges? Um, and again, without going down too provocative a route yeah. here, different personality types. Um, you know, what presents the challenges? How do you, how do you deal with so many different issues uh, and moving parts in your business?
1: There's always challenges. And I suppose it's deciding which ones you want to take on and which ones you don't. And for me, I can say we're good at London, the south-east, the surroundings, the Surrey's, the home counters, and those areas. Mm. And we help people further north. Not that I'm scared of anything past Watford, but we do. And for me, it's a case of... I would rather do that on a consultancy basis with a privacy, because I don't know the Manchester property market. I don't know the Liverpool property market. Mm. And I certainly don't know international property markets. So I can help them. But again, if you go to the US, property, uh, sorry, property law is different, and so is privacy law. Yeah. So it's all about having the right advisors in the right jurisdictions, because the guys who are brilliant at privacy here may not know the laws across Europe in mm. every country. So. I think I like to focus on what I know because if you try and come out of that zone, you get caught out quite quickly.
0: And there's and there's another little parallel right there, that, that whole um, word focus. Uh, you know, you've been successful because you have stuck to your knitting, to use an expression, rather than be tempted by the commercial benefits of dealing in places that you may not necessarily have the expertise yeah. to deal in. So um, what advice would you give to somebody Dan, looking to... You know, I'm asking this question because you've kind of literally done it. It's got an idea. I've got some experience in a particular market or yep. industry. But I've got an idea and I want to be unique in that marketplace. How on earth do you just get going? Because there's lots of people out there that say, I've got a great idea or I've got a goal or I've got a really, really amazing business idea. And you have a conversation with them three years later and they're still talking about the same idea that they haven't quite shifted. So... How, what, what tips, if you like, would you give to people looking to start a business in particular or just maybe from trying to deal with a certain aspect of their life, uh, some forward momentum, I think it's would be a way of expressing it. There's
1: lots of people who'd say, you know, you've got one job and you start a second idea whilst you've still got your job and then you carry on and just see, and a lot of people organically grow into their new career. I've gone completely the opposite way. And I started a business with not a lot of money and some very nice business cards and a small website. And I was brave, being honest with you. I've got a wife and two kids at home that I have to feed. And for me, it was about there is a need. I need money. I need to make this work. And by going out there and meeting everybody I could and strangely enough, when you look through LinkedIn at your personal connections that you know on LinkedIn, as opposed to Facebook or wherever, and you say, well, actually, I didn't realize they did that in their day job. And you think that might be useful. And you mm. start chatting to them. And they, they might say, well, I don't get involved in that, but I know someone who does. And you have a lot more connections than you realize. But you have to be quite ballsy to ask for them as well. Mm. But again, a message we
0: hear consistently is the ability to ask for help most people they they assume that they've got a great support network, but unless you embrace it and ask people for help, then help is not often forthcoming yeah. um so how did you how do you manage to build trust you okay, you've got a proposition yep. how do you build that degree of trust where people say, "Right, Dan, there you go. I'm entrusting you with
1: uh my next home, basically." You, being honest, you have a short window with somebody, and when you meet them or chat to them, either they trust you or they don't, and you have to know what you're talking about. So I could go off tomorrow and set up a company doing medical research, but as soon as I met somebody, they would know I wouldn't know what I was talking about. Mm. Having done property for so long, and understanding pretty much every aspect of it, it really helps you have to have the background and the knowledge. Mm. And it doesn't mean you can't retrain into a completely new career or anything else, But it's about, I made sure I had the right supply line behind me because I don't want to go and say, yes, I know someone who can do security and then just introduce anyone. So it's about making sure you've got all your eggs in one row as well and just doing everything in the right order.
0: And ensuring, I suppose, that, because you're only as strong as your weakest link, ensuring that all those partners are fit for purpose and do yeah. things the same way that you
1: do them. Correct. And they're going to have a relatively similar client base to you. And you're all going to be meeting the same lawyers, accountants, IFAs, et cetera, And they're all going to be recommended by the same people. Mm. So in theory, if you don't stray too far and suddenly decide to bring in a completely random person, you shouldn't let yourself down with your network either.
0: I listen to you, and, and we've met now uh, a couple of times, and every time I hear you, I'm kind of inspired by the enthusiasm for what you do, uh, your knowledge for what you do, clearly. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have a chat with you today, is to find out a little bit more about what makes you tick and how you've got this thing off the ground and how it's becoming even more successful. But inevitably, Dan, there are times when it doesn't go quite the way you want it to go, where you wake up in the morning and you've got all your ducks in a row and you think it's all going to be fantastic and it doesn't work out that way. How does Dan Stein deal with the road bumps, the challenges, the
1: obstacles in life? Running your own business and in property, I think... You, know, you never know when the next phone call is going to be and when your next instruction is going to be. You could go months without earning money or having even a sniff of something coming in. Mm. And you have to stay strong and you have to believe in what you're doing. Because if you don't, then no one else will. And I think that's the biggest thing. is Staying positive is fine for a day or two. But then how do you do that for weeks? How do you self-motivate? Um, I've tried different things, I've had an office, because that way you go to the office, you focus on work. But then I realized I was never in the office so either I was meeting people or I was out and it was just a waste of time and money so it's about finding what works for you and there are some people who can only work in an office and there are some people who can only work at home and there are some who wear suits because it puts them in the right mood and it's just finding whatever it is if you don't believe in what you're doing there's no point doing it mm. and once you believe in it it's just finding the ways that make it work for you Has, has property always
0: been a, a predetermined outcome? Has it always been a career path for, for no, you? No,
1: not at all my parents when I grew up actually had shops and they were in retail they had the most random popcorn shop Um, That's very random random. they even had a show on NBC at one point with it Um, so no it's never always been property but at the same time it's been something I've enjoyed I understood and I knew So it's just kind of gone that way. And specific goals for the business moving forward? Do specific goals for the business? I think I. Happy happy you are. I'm very happy as I am. I have a great work life balance. I enjoy what I do. I meet the most random people. And I enjoy that. I enjoy meeting people. I see people as an inspiration. You can meet someone who's 18 and made millions of pounds as an influencer. You can meet a sports person at the top of their game who's dedicated their entire life in fitness and nutrition in absolutely everything. And then I just meet some random business people who've been phenomenally successful for being in the right place at the right time. Mm. Um, One day, potentially an office in LA, I think, because I think think a lot of meetings, a lot of people we meet and talk to are out there. But other than that, I'm quite happy. Good. I enjoy it. And I, I can't let this podcast go
0: without asking you, particularly in your game, with some of the people that you must come across, which you've already alluded to, <laughs> any spectacular, spectacularly funny stories or strange events or anything that stands out in your career to date where you think, wow, that's one I'm going to tell the grandkids?
1: Um, there was a client who took her dog everywhere. And when I say everywhere, I mean everywhere when you walk into a house which is pristine and the estate agent's there and there's the, the whole entourage and the dog starts climbing on all over the show furniture and there's just a face and you can see the estate agent thinking, I want the world to swallow me up right now yeah. and I'm standing there going, mm, well, I'm not saying anything. Yeah. Um, being honest with you, actually, no major stories. Timekeeping is a terrible one for people you organise a whole day for them oh it must be frustrating and then they're running an hour and a half late yeah. and you've annoyed every estate agent in central London by moving every appointment and they mm. can't say no and you can't say no mm. um, but no, no no. must be quite difficult to hold it all together in moments like that but I sit um, in and the you car you don't strike
0: me as the kind of person who would shout or you talked about sh- uh, earlier you, you mentioned
1: shouting to yourself in private not in front of yeah. people but no I'll sit in a car between viewings texting mm. phoning and doing everything mm probably feeling a bit carsick by the end of the time we actually get there as well mm. but that's that's what it is that's the job do you know what I, I really what I'm
0: hearing I, and I'm going to point this out I really love is the fact that you're kind of forgive me for saying it in this way but you're kind of content yeah. aren't you there's a lot of people that we have as guests on this show who are you know incredibly driven and where they are is never enough you know they've got to then move to the next level and the next one and the next one it's like you found your happy place you know you've got that great work life balance which not many guests have yep. in fairness um, and, and I like the fact that you kind of embrace that you don't want to conquer the world maybe a, maybe an office in LA uh, for understandable reasons but um, you're, you're kind of happy where you are therefore my question I guess Dan is what's your definition your personal definition of success
1: I am phenomenally lucky. I have a very nice house, wonderful wife, two fantastic children. If you didn't have a nice house, I'd be disappointed. Yeah, even though it does need a bit of work now. <laughs> um, I've got two fantastic children. I'm happy. I don't, I don't need all the stresses in the world. Mm. If the business in five or 10 years' time organically grows into something completely different and we sit down and have a completely different chat then, I won't complain. And if it becomes the next Savills and has offices every 200 yards in every high street, mm. if that's what it becomes, then that's what it becomes. But right now, there's enough stresses in life with politics, Brexit, elections and everything else mm. that I'm very happy doing what I do. I have a great lifestyle. I get to go and see some of the best homes in London on a daily basis. I see more cinema rooms and home gyms than I know what to do with. Mm. What more do I want? Yeah. It's like through the keyhole every day. Basically.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Um, What, is there anything that kind of gets in the way of your enjoyment of what you do? Is there, do you have frustrations uh, in life? Are there things that you change? I don't want to go off piece too far yeah. here uh, and I certainly know this is not a political conversation uh, I don't want to be too provocative but is there anything in the world that frustrates you because I'm also going to ask you what you think of the property market we won't hold you to that no. by the way okay, but there'll you. be lots of people listening <laughs> to the property expert go you didn't ask him the question about what's happening to my, the value of my house right. so um, first, first question is uh, is there anything that you kind of worry about gets in the way things you change and then part B of the question is what do, you, what do you see the outlook for property being in the next sort of five years?
1: I think there's been a lot of tightening up of compliance, some of which is very good. And a lot of it has been completely misconstrued. And a lot of people don't understand what they're doing. And whether or not that's the money laundering regulations, whether or not that's GDPR, whatever that is, an estate agent or other people's ability to kill a deal by misunderstanding the laws and the rules and just trying to tick every box humanly possible as opposed to just the ones they need to, Mm. and I'm not encouraging money laundering or anything else, but it could be if you're building the amount of compliance now is just so restrictive. Mm. And I think there has to be a point where everyone has to stop and say, right, let's try and just make everything a bit simpler. Because the market is tough enough, yeah, and whether or not that's mortgage companies and their affordability, whatever that is, everyone has a hurdle. Mm. So just more and more hurdles to get over. And I suppose without
0: being too controversial, I'm not necessarily sure, in my own experience, that compliance has really made a massive difference relative to what's gone into... Uh, changing things it's almost become bureaucratic
1: without being controversial or anything else but if you look at all the building rig regulations and everything and then you go and look at something as terrible as Grenfell Mm. you have so much compliance yet something so horrendous can still happen yeah there's clearly a problem Mm. so that's my point really that uh, you know compliance doesn't necessarily solve the problem
0: what do you do in the life outside the one we're talking about now big
1: spurs fan it's been a good week I think Try not to hold that against you (laughs) (laughs) It's been an interesting week I have spending a lot of time Are you happy with the appointment? I think he's a winner I think he knows what he's doing Um, Whether it's a year or two I think we'll get a good couple of years out of Jose Mm. So I think something had to happen and it was decisive from Daniel Levy and you know it gets us before we lose more points over Christmas Mm. So I think yeah not unhappy You were in the European final on the 1st of June A lot can happen in 6 months (laughs) (laughs) That's football isn't it? Um how
0: do we find out more about you? I, because people have got to visit the one-page website. The one-page website. I don't suppose to come well, across too many of those It's That's very time. well
1: copywritten as well. Okay. Um, I don't apologise for that. No, we we could, I'm not we could, you could. to. No, no, but we could build a very flashy website with some great houses. Yeah. I don't want to. Um, being honest with you, we're not interested in, quote, general public. Mm-hmm. It's very much a case of if you are looking for us, we're there. But you've got to be looking for us. Mm. Um, we won't come up in Google... On the house search or anything else, um, my only platform I really use is LinkedIn. I dabble occasionally in Instagram and Twitter, but they are very rare. I love the fact you're a dinosaur, by the way. Just like thank me. you. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Um, You've got a lot more followers than me. So the the, the website address? We are and that's H I P E. And that goes back to what we said earlier about the H Y P E H I P yep.
0: E. Okay, got it. And uh, anything else social media? Do you do so very much LinkedIn?
1: There? Just that's it. LinkedIn. Okay. That is my main weakness. Okay.
0: <laughs> okay. And uh, a question. Yes. You will know this. Yes. I, I've been dreading I, this I've all day. I can <laughs> see you rolling your eyes. Uh, and I know you've given a lot of thought to yeah. this. And it's only because you've listened to the podcast, you know this. Otherwise, we often catch people out. Um, but I know it's still spontaneous, but you've given it some thought. So the question, as you know, Dan, is uh, if little Dan walked in here now and yep. said, Dad, uh, just give us a few words of wisdom. Uh, to help me on my path to success in life, whatever it is I choose to do, what would would Dan Stein Senior give by way of advice to Dan Stein Junior? I
1: think that with hindsight, that having a profession behind you And whether or not that's a lawyer, an accountant, but a profession, I think, brings a lot of discipline. And you have a fallback. You have a plan B. And that way you can go off and you can explore your passion and be a football agent or whatever it is you want to do, drama. But when it doesn't work out, you can still go back to being a lawyer. You can still go back to being an accountant. And with hindsight, and that's being at 40 as opposed to 20, that's what I would tell my kids, that you always have plan B. Final question.
0: Uh, if I was cooking dinner, which doesn't happen often, happen often, I'm pretty good though. Uh, if I was cooking dinner and I said, Dan, bring three people that inspire you along to dinner, past or present, Okay. who would those three people be? And I had to, I had to ask you a left field question because you prepared by listening yeah, to the podcast for the other question. That's fine. So here's one to kind of make you think about it on the spur of the moment. So three, past or present, famous or not. People that you would invite to dinner if there were only three places available,
1: who would they be? That's very interesting. Two of them I know instantly. Okay. And that's Lawrence Delio and Martin Johnson because I'm a huge rugby union fan. I was about to say, if you can't so, talk about rugby, you're a bit bit messed up. Grew there. up playing rugby. Okay. Um, so for me, the guys from 2003 World Cup winners, and like, they're just natural leaders. Yeah. And that's before everything became as dedicated as they are now. Yeah. Um, the third one I'm struggling a bit, but I think I'd probably have to say my dad. Oh, that's good. That's because cool. I must. Remember, I still find him an inspiration, and he's like he's always there. He's someone to chat to, no ulterior motive other than for me. So I think they'd be my three people at the moment. Oh,
0: good! Shout out to Mr. Stein Senior,
1: Senior, if he listens. No, he he's will. He's more do. of a dinosaur than me. You can't possibly. <laughs>
0: Allow your dad to to ignore the sandra forty podcast now you've now you 've starred on it um, dan it 's been a, a fantastic conversation i've i 've learned even more about you today and I hope thank you um, lots of people have taken some of those really very important messages away from your success as a businessman from really a standing start with a, a love and a passion for a particular subject and have turned it into something that is you know doing phenomenally well, but also combined with that the fact that you 've You've established a, a happy place in your life, a level playing field where you get to do lots of other things that you enjoy doing, family, friends and, and all the hobbies and other interests you pursue. So um, on behalf of all of those many, many, many people listening, thank you so much for joining us. It's thank been a really, really interesting conversation. And we appreciate it very much. Thank you. That was the Sandro Forte podcast, another one. Uh, Here we are a year and two months on and uh, still going strong. Dan Stein, what can I say? A really, really terrific guest. Uh, As always, more amazing guest joining me over the coming weeks please make sure you subscribe if you want to pick up some great tips on success growing businesses dealing with adversity and all the other challenges that life throws at us remember you can follow us on social media all the usual platforms Sandro's Podcast with an S keep the emails coming hello at sandrospodcast.com and please the iTunes reviews if you can and don't forget to connect on social media with me Sandro Forte that's S-A-N-D-R-O-F-R-T-E on Twitter and LinkedIn and the real Sand- Sandro14 Instagram. Until this time next week, bye for now.